Hi guys, welcome to Belief Alchemy with Megan O'Neill. Every week I'll be sitting down to interview visionary women who will teach us how to have a more magical mindset and to create greater possibility in our lives and in our business. Hello, hello, Sarah Leather. I'm having trouble this morning. <laughs> and I wasn't even drinking yesterday because I forgot to tell you it's our long weekend or what you guys call a bank holiday. So um, I'm being good today. So welcome, and I'm so excited to have you. And as I just said before we jumped on, um, I could make this into a two, two, I might even do that if you allow me to make it into a two episode where we talk again, because there's so much to talk to you about. But first and foremost, for my guests, would you mind introducing yourself, Sarah Leather? I will, of course, Megan. It's so good to be here. And I am Sarah Leather, or the Sarah Leather, according to my website. <laughs> because I've got a bit of an unusual name and it's used for all sorts of things that have got nothing to do with business. So, yes, I'm Sarah Leather. I'm a business and mindset mentor for female service-based entrepreneurs and I work mostly now with my, with my signature program, which is called Signature Program School. And I also have a podcast called Her Signature Business and it's all about signature programs. As you all know, Megan, because you've been around me for a, a while, so you know what I'm all about. But yeah, I really love women, business, uh, mindset, strategy. Yeah, mindset and strategy are my, my two jams. Particularly, you know I love selling. You know I love teaching selling. And I do everything now through my what's called the one-to-many method, which is my signature process of helping women to engage, uh, to, to enroll basically people. Uh, people into their signature programs through using a signature workshop. So that's, that's my thing. And you're not a random person that I just picked off the net. You were my business coach. You are a mentor to me always. Um, you're an inspiration to me. And I was in one of your, well, I don't know which one I was in. I was in a couple of your masterminds. You Academy. I was in Sister Mind. I was in yeah. lots and different ones. So I know you well, which is why I'm so pleased that you're here because there's no one better to talk about mindset and business uh, with. But I just want to um, start out because people are listening to you and you do have a very interesting accent because it's not, you probably people are trying to discern what it is, but you're an Australian from British parents who fell in love with an Irishman. That's a bad statement in itself right there, Sarah, and moved to Ireland and lives in Cork, the beautiful Cork. In beautiful West Cork, which is the best part of Cork. Overlooking, I'm sitting here in my brand new office in the garden, looking out over fields and cows with the ocean in the distance, which is kind of cool. It's very cool. And so yeah. you met your husband backpacking. Back. No, I wasn't backpacking, actually. He was. He was on the doing the thing that young people did in those days and hopefully will do again. He went to Australia on a one-year working holiday visa via the States and he was on day two of his year when uh, when we met. I was in, I'd moved to Sydney from Perth. My hometown was Perth, 3,000 miles away, and I was there working as a nurse and wanting to see a bit more of the world. And we kind of met and kind of clicked and three months later we bought a camper van and went around Australia which was fun yeah and then we went backpacking through Asia on the way to the UK and Ireland and uh, ended up not I ended up not going back to Australia for 
four years, went back married, and uh, <laughs> and then we both went we both went back to college, university actually then, and uh, I knew I wasn't going to be a nurse forever because I always knew I wanted to have my own business, but I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I kind of fell in love with natural medicine and uh, really wanted to study nutrition and naturopathy, so I went back and did that, and he went back and did environmental science, and we had a great old time, and then I started setting up practices and realised that... I really like the business side of, of the whole health thing. So it just kind of evolved and then studied coaching in 2008 and fell madly in love with that then. And then it was just like, okay, I just want to do coaching. And then it's like, oh, I really like the business side of coaching. And, uh, yeah, just just evolved over the years. And, yeah, I didn't get, uh, I didn't get to where I am now in five minutes. I've taken my time. I'm a tortoise rather than a hare, as they say. And it's and a lot of the women I work with have taken their time growing and evolving in business as well. But I do help them get uh, I help them to get where they want to go, usually a lot quicker than when I the way I got there. Yeah. So let's go back to yeah. your first incarnation, which was a nurse. Mm-hmm. And um, I can actually see that nursing and business coaching are aligned in many ways. There is a a they're known as being bossy to nurses, at least the ones I grew up with. That's true. And I'm a Virgo as well. I love telling people what to do. (laughs) And you then went into become, um, went into naturopathic medicine and specialized in women's infertility. That's correct. Yeah. And like many, uh, I think this is fair to say, and you can correct me, but I think a lot of health professionals people in the uh, nurturepreneuring, if you want to put it that way, struggle with mindset and particularly business mindset. When you first began and you went and you started your own practice, because here you are going from uh, a sure thing, as my mother always told me with nursing, because she was a nurse, that you're going to a very safe, everybody's always going to want nurses, you get paid every two weeks, it's you know going to have a pension, all that sort of thing, to jumping into your own practice and starting this business, which was it really even that common in Ireland at that point, naturopathic medicine? I, that was in Australia then that I started before we moved back to Ireland. Um, was it common? Uh, it was common in Australia. It wasn't in Ireland, not nearly so much. So I kind of went under the nutrition umbrella a lot more and homeopathy as well. That was a lot more established here. Whereas in Australia, naturopathy is, is really very, um, very well known. So, yeah, I sort of set up in Australia for a year before we, and then we we travelled back over here around the time that I was having my first child. So that was like, he's 27 this year, so a long time ago. But, uh, you know, it's mad to think I'm going to be a mother of a 27-year-old. I don't know how quite how that happened. I've been doing, as you said, yeah, the nursing really was an income stream. Then, uh, But I was just, I just had this inkling that I had to specialise. And I didn't know that the word niche even existed then, but I just knew that was known for one thing or it was going to be easier. And the the students at the coined me, the baby-making lady then. And so I thought, okay. And I'm, I've mentioned this actually on my podcast this week that, like, yeah, the, the niche was given to me, but I had to receive it. And this is a real mindset thing because so many women, they say, oh, I can't figure out, I can't work out what niche and, you know, someone said I should do something, somebody else does this, I'm trying to do that. And I'm just like, just sit back for a moment and see what's what's coming at you, what's there. And 
maybe maybe your your niche is actually right in front of your nose, but you keep finding all the reasons why you're not quite qualified enough yet. I had no qualification. I knew nothing about you know anything about infertility when people were sent to me. But I thought like, how can it be any different to any other area of health? You know, they're, 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 and but I just I just bought the books on it, and after a while I went and did a course. I did a, a course in natural fertility management, but I had already kind of received that niche and started putting myself out there as a specialist in this area before I went and did a course in it because I just decided like, well, hormonal health must it must be very very similar, and I thought I'd studied that and I knew a bit about that, and uh, it's and I think that's a, that that's the first mindset thing is that you know what we need to be doing is is right in front of us, but we can so easily just not receive it or push it away and make it much harder for ourselves. Does that make sense? Totally. So let me follow up because we had a bit of a um, a Zoom delay. When you, because we, we didn't hear the first part about niching, but just to go on that, what do you think the resistance around receiving your, like, I want you to expand on receiving, first of all, what you mean by that? I, I think we're getting messages all the time. I often say business is like a game. I don't know if you played it when you were a child making it, playing hotter and colder. When you're out in the garden and and somebody's you know you've got a blindfold on or something you start walking towards somebody and it's like oh warmer warmer or walk away from maybe something you're trying to find colder colder and I think business is a bit like that that there are signs that are warmer and colder and just being able to actually take see the signs for what they are and just say oh yes there's there's a side I meant to be on this path. And if you have your brain trained in a way that you're looking for the positive signs more than the negative, that you're just like having this, I think having this just really rock solid belief that what you're doing is working, that you're on the right path, that you are moving towards the, the vision you have of yourself in your business, then you just have to sort of open your heart and receive things along the way. And they don't always feel good. They can be they can be hard sometimes, and maybe you get a message about something I'm going through at the moment about closing closing a program down that just isn't uh, working as well as my my main signature program, and it's uh, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel easy. But I've received that message that just I, it's it's time to let it go. Letting things go in business can be can feel really hard, but it's just time. It's, we just have to make these decisions as as CEOs of our business that um, that it's you know it's all there for us, but we have to just move through the resistance sometimes and you know receive what is there. Like I think the niching thing is just such a great example of. Like I've had people have said to me, oh, it was easy for you in the health industry because you, you know, you were given that niche. People told you you were the baby making lady before you even realised it yourself. And I realised that, like that's not actually true because they could have said a hundred things to me. They could have said they probably sent me people with digestive problems and people with migraines and things as well. But that was the one I thought, like, yes, I'm taking this. I'm taking this and I'm going to run with it because I knew that the more that I was able to speak to one particular problem, and this was years before the internet or through anything else. I mean, I hadn't really studied anything to do with business at this stage, but I just knew it in my gut. I just knew that this was something I just had to take, hold on to for a while and and, and explore it some more. 
So how important do you think intuition is in business? Intuition, I think it's important. I think it's incredibly important to learn to trust it, to learn to um, to have that um, that knowing, but not to use it as an excuse to change your mind all the time. Okay. <laughs> Which I think is something we can, well, I know I certainly can have the tendency to do, saying like, I'm getting a feeling that this is not quite working. But no, it's it's really, I think one of the best things to do is to ask yourself why. Like if you say like, oh, I've, I've my intuition is telling me to, you know, to put my prices up or my intuition is telling me to stop doing this program. My intuition is telling me to invest in this high level coach or something. And then I just say like, ask yourself, why, why would you do that? Just ask even your conscious mind, why? Well, because um, it's going to, even though it's going to be really hard work, it's going to get me to where I want to go. And you think like, do I like those reasons why? Yes. Okay, that's fine. But if 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 the reason why is because it's you know it's it's you know if if there's some reason that you don't like, and you're using intuition as a bit of a, a bit of an excuse, <laughs> well then sometimes you have to really explore that. And as long as you really like your reasons why, that's fine. You go with it. But those reasons why, when you ask yourselves why do I or do I not want to do this? If you like those reasons, that's good enough for me. If you don't like the reasons why, well, then it takes a lot more work. So going back to uh, the one question I did actually want to ask you is, and one that I asked my guests is when you make that that jump, because this is a big jump from being in practice for yourself or from being a nurse to being uh, your own businesswoman, what belief do you think was really blocking you at the beginning? A block around what? Around the making the jump, like going into business for yourself and becoming a new business business lady, as opposed to being a traditional nurse. What belief do you think was initially blocking you from growth? I suppose I had the. Um, I think I had the benefit of being really young, and being in my sort of mid twenties, really, that I really thought anything was possible. So I didn't, like, I got a lot of negative stuff from my, particularly my family. Why would I leave nursing? My sister was a nurse. My, you know, it's a, it's why, why on earth would I leave something that was so solid to do something else? So um, the blocks that I had to overcome, I think, was uh, letting other people's thoughts stop me other people's words so really I had to really overcome a lot of people pleasing because if I'd stayed the people pleasing keeping mummy and daddy happy and keeping if I hadn't kind of stood outside of uh, what was the the normal path I think yeah that could absolutely have stopped but the the thing that really helped as well is just being away from home being being traveling a lot and everything I think just gives you so much freedom in that that you can get away from those, you know, those 
sort of particularly family of origin kind of dialogue that could be going on all the time. And there was no internet then, so we could go travelling for months in Asia and not like have no contact with anybody we knew at all unless we ran out of money. And then we'd find people pretty easily on the end of a telephone. Her money wired to us in Singapore or something. But it was, uh, yeah, having that freedom really just to, to get away. Surrounding, one of the biggest things really was just surrounding myself with like-minded people. And that is... Um, what's so important now in business as well as just having those people around like going up going going and studying naturopathy and being around all those other people that were also studying it and also wanting to grow but I mean the funny thing was that out of there were 33 of us in our class and I'd say there were two of us that ended up with a successful practice mm -hmm. from us mm -hmm. because they just didn't have the uh I don't know that I think it's perseverance and, and then the two of us that did or maybe three of us we were all nurses beforehand, you know, and I think that's we had that that foundation. But also, like being a nurse, you like you deal with so much stuff. You just deal with it, like so. Anything else is kind of easy afterwards, because you've like you're seventeen after never seeing a dead body or never being around anybody dying, and then having that thrown at you, and and all the things, all the things that you have to deal with. So, yeah. Those blocks really, I think, of the biggest blocks really were around other people's thoughts and, and trying to keep other people happy and, and moving past that to a certain extent. Yeah, and I was just thinking about the fact that your parents owned their uh, hairdressing business for years. So you you had examples of, of living that life too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Seeing watching business being done was a huge huge benefit really of watching money changing hands actually physically watching money being handed over and seeing things being paid for and seeing the problems seeing the failures in business seeing my parents lose a whole business because the lease lease expired and they had assumed that it would be renewed and uh, as were all the other businesses all in a row in this lovely suburb just outside Perth city uh, all the there was a there was a pub, there was, a, I think, a laundrette, and there were quite a few different really busy businesses there, and they were just all expecting their lease to be renewed. But no, the owners of the building decided to sell it to a developer to be made into a multi-storey car park instead, and watching that devastation of them just all losing their, their livelihoods, really, so there was no goodwill or anything to sell on. So it was some... Um, there were so many things that... Um, so many things that, that I observed when I was quite young without really recognising at the time what it meant, but it really made a huge difference to me being a, being a woman in business now. Yeah, and, and I think what's interesting is, is fast forward then, you go through and you decide that you're going to, to start to coach and I know that, um, and you're pretty well the only person that I've heard of this, you had back in the old days, most of the people that, that either coached you or you learned from were men. Is that correct? So, yeah, in the very early days, definitely. And I, I'd actually nearly forgotten that. But really, yes, that's so true. In the, I suppose it was probably 2007, 8, 9, the internet was still fairly, uh, online marketing was in its infancy. And all of the courses that I came across trying to make money online or bring your business online, they they were all men. And it was very, it was that very masculine sales process. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I'm glad you brought up sales because that that's a perfect segue into what I think of when I think of you. And I, it might have been the first might have been like the first course that I ever took from you before. I'm not sure if I jumped in first, but I always associate you as being really excellent at sales. And uh, and actually, just to tell the people listening to this, we I had had you on as my guest, but I screwed it up because um, I had some technical ability. So now we finally caught up with each other. And I want to talk to you about sales because I think you know better than anybody that a lot of women, particularly women who are what would you call them, healthpreneurs, nurturepreneurs, people who are in that type of um, service-based industry or actually any service-based industry, I shouldn't even be that specific, generally struggle with sales. And I want you to talk around about the mindset and your journey in terms of learning and becoming very good at sales. Yeah, no, it's a great question because we're not born knowing how to sell. We're not we're not brought up being taught how to sell. We are brought up to usually being told that anybody who sells is, you know, very almost a low life and that used car salesman kind of scenario gets thrown around. Maybe we've grown up with telephone calls from people trying to sell us something over the phone and being pushed and uh, maybe buying things that we really didn't want because we felt like we've been sold to. And it's so it's so easy to have a belief system that's set up around uh, that selling is pushy, selling is icky, selling is mean. And I think what most female entrepreneurs just want, they just want to do their work. They want to just show up and do their work. They don't want to do that selling business. And most women, if they're honest, they don't really want to do the marketing either because the marketing's got to be done to get the people to sell to. And it's all it, they're very entwined together, marketing and sales. And it's um it takes a big reframe in your brain around about selling being selling is helping, selling is selling is serving. And you cannot help anybody unless you sell your your product or program to them. And it's uh it's it is a massive mindset shift. So I had to, the first thing I had to do was really realise that I didn't know how to sell, that I had been running a booked solid health practice for over 20 years and I did not know how to sell. What I realised I was doing was I was just fulfilling orders. People were ringing up or emailing saying I'd like to make an appointment. I sold single sessions for around 60 euro an hour and and all I had to do was book them in and tell them where to park or where to, you know, what how it was all going to work if it was in person, um, and that, and then sell them the next the next consult then. But then that was just another fulfilling an order because they wanted to come back. So really, I didn't know. And when I took my prices from sort of sixty euro for a single session to I had a couple of small little packages, but it very soon went to selling for sort of 2500 for a three-month package, then I had to learn how to sell. That's when I realised I do not like this process, but I had to learn. As I, as I was doing that, I was learning how to sell as I was creating that package and uh, changing the prices and everything. And I did one sales course after another, really, because I'd, I'd learn a little bit from one and then I think like, oh, I'm still not sure on this process. And then I do another one and another one. I think I've done something like 14 sales courses and I've done a couple of sort of really high level ones. But the best way you learn is just by doing it. 
and I have now my in my signature program we do uh, we're starting next week actually is just doing role modeling and getting women just practicing with each other just doing these dialogues with each other and knowing what kind of things to say but really getting more and more comfortable with it because it's really hard to, when you first start it's really hard not to sort of trip yourself up and there's all these thoughts in in your mind but one of the things that I really teach now is that like you've just got to be unattached to somebody saying yes you've got to like you've got to go for the no you've got to just really be very happy if they say no and be happy to have 10 or 20 no's before you hear a yes like I have about an 80% conversion rate now as do quite a few of my clients from people that I speak to but that didn't happen overnight it's um it really does take and it's not about it's not about you know getting good at convincing people because convincing is always the wrong energy but it's a like the whole sales process starts from the very first interaction you have with somebody it starts when you're doing your marketing and now I do I do what are called sort of like high service events to uh, to to sell into my signature program so I do like a, it's usually around seven days a seven day virtual retreat which is a bit like your your traditional kind of challenge but where I'm giving so much service by the end of it the people feel like they really know me and they really understand the program and they've got so much from it even if they never buy they have learned an awful lot and they will come back time and time again. I, I do them every six to eight weeks and some people it will be their second or third retreat where they come along and go like, oh, I'm ready now. And they know that the price is just going to go up and not down. So they just like decide, oh, it's time now. Uh, because you have to help people to make a decision and one of the, the best ways you can help somebody make a decision is by putting your prices up regularly because they know like you can decide anytime. I'll be here for you. If you want to wait till next year, it's fine, but you're going to pay maybe another $500 a month at that stage just let them know the facts it's not it's not pushing them at all so like this is the actual facts of what's happening well and the pushy part is kind of interesting because um i think what you have just said and i i want to encourage anybody maybe to go rewind it and listen to this part again because i think that there's some brilliant stuff there with sales but one of the things that i mean i've learned so much from you but when i first started back uh and got out and started this this mindset work this core belief engineering stuff that i do um, I had those voices, those my mother's voice, because you know that we have national health care, universal health care here in Canada. And my mom would say, well, if they're not going to pay, for, the government's not going to pay for it, then it's not kind of worth it. Like, you know, you're asking people to pay out of pocket for something. And that was like a sin or something. I don't know. So that was really, really hard. But I think, you know, I really wanted to help people. And unfortunately, I'm not a independently wealthy lottery winner yet. So I had to to ask for money. I mean, that's just kind of part and parcel, right? Of, yeah. it's and even if you were, even if you didn't need the money, still, you know, how much how much value can you give if somebody isn't? There's always got to be equal exchange of value. Right. And money is our currency. It's the easiest thing to use. Yes, you could ask them for a goat or, a, you know, a testimonial or something in exchange for what you're giving them. But really, money is the way we do it. So it doesn't matter how much money and how much you need or don't need money. It's You've just got it. You've got to charge well for what you do so that they can... So they can receive everything that they need. Yeah, and I they pay a lot of money to my coaches, but the more the more I pay, the more I'm getting, and the more they're not giving more. They're not, you know, throwing things at me, but they are just creating that space for me to really grow and evolve in business. 
And the money is such an important part of it. Well, and I, I just want to go to specifics with you because I have you here. So I'm, you're trapped. But I want to ask you when. So this is a typical scenario that many people listening to this will be on the phone and they are going through, say, their program or their service or their product or whatever it is that they're selling. And I find that what comes up is the feeling that you're putting upon someone like exactly that you're selling them. And I think that point, maybe where you hear that pause, where people are like, uh, or, you know, you get someone who's a real thinker on and really needs to look at, at, at specifics because they're visual learners or something. Talk to me about how to handle that time period where you feel really awkward, maybe where the pause is. Where you as the seller or the buyer? Yeah, the seller. As the seller. You're only feeling really awkward because of what you're thinking about it, what you're making it mean. I just love pauses now. I, and I don't go, oh, my God. But when I first started those pauses, I, I, I remember that so well. I used to be doing like EFT tapping under the table. <laughs> like even though they're going to think I'm completely ripping them off, I completely and utterly <laughs> forgive and accept myself. And it's just, it's, it's yeah, I used to really feel that. And it's just, it just takes time to get used to it. When you get used to it, you know, like I say to myself things like now, I so love that I'm giving them the space, you know. So you, you're always going to feel secondary to what you're thinking. So if you're thinking, oh, my God, they're going to say, I'm who the hell do I think I am, you know, or if you're thinking like they're just, they're just yeah, they're just processing the information. That's it. I'm giving them the space to process the information, you know. I don't even think anything now. I just have there's so much space built into everything that I do. But one of the best things around that, Megan, is to know that, like, sticker shock isn't an objection. Like, if you've just said, and the price of that is $5,000, uh, have you got any questions? And then you wait, and then there's the pause. And the... And if they even if they do an audible gasp <laughs> at the price tag, it's it's just to know that's fine. It's just a little bit different than what they're expecting. But that doesn't that's not a no. That's not even an objection. It's just a reaction to the number. And they just need to process that. And most of those people end up buying. You know, another thing though is I, that I want to ask you about is the follow-up. So, you know, say for example, the person gets off and they, they are a thinker or whatever it is. They have to, you know, the famous thing, you know, is I have to go check with my husband, right? That's yeah. what it takes. <laughs> they do. I want you to talk to me a bit about the mindset around follow-up. Cause I know a lot of people that I have um, spoken to, worked with whatever women are very hesitant to do follow-up. Yeah, because like 50% of sales are in the follow-up. So if you're not following up, you're leaving a lot of money on the table. But it's not even just about the money. I mean, you can't just not, you're not helping half of the people that you could be helping if you just let them go because they want you to, you know, come and grab them and say like, you need this, you're ready now. But I really like to get some kind of agreement on the phone first around the follow-up. So if somebody says, oh, I just need to check with my husband, um, I should like you if you say like husband aside or then I need to go and look at my accounts. I'm not sure if this this money is is doable right now, or if they say like I, I just need to go and look at my schedule, I'm really tired. No matter what they say. Most also if you hear any background noise, it's a cow outside my window just did an almighty moo there. So <laughs> the joys of living in the countryside. Um the uh 
you know, whatever it is, whatever objection that they come up with, because they will all come up. I come up with it myself when somebody is selling to me because I just want that time to process and think like, is this, is this for me? Is this not? But you always know. I always know when I'm on a call with somebody when I'm the, I'm the client whether it's going to be a yes or a no. I mean, people know. But I would often say, like, money aside, husband aside, time aside, how are you feeling about this? What's, what's your gut feeling? Is this something you'd like to move forward with? Is this something that, like, maybe that maybe you want to look at later? And they know. You can see that, like, the people that are all in, you just know. You can hear it. You can feel it from them when they're, when they're all in. So you just have to uh, see. And, yeah, they might want to go and you know, chat with their husband or whatever. But, you know, and you can absolutely coach them around that. You can absolutely say, like, you know, what's uh, you know, what's the deal with the husband or something? Like, <laughs> you can, depends on who it is. I mean, I have said things like, you know, you know, do you decide yourself first or do you let him decide? And they normally say, like, oh, oh, I know I really want, I really, really want to do this. But I said, I could, just my experience that some women are just, they just uh, they just want their husbands to they have they're handing over their power basically, and if if a husband or a partner or whoever is is detecting any slight bit of fear from you, they will put the brakes on. They will want to protect you, so they're going to say no if they say like oh, I'm thinking about doing this thing, but it's really expensive, and we said we'd have a holiday this year, and yeah, I'm really not sure. You know what's the husband going to say? He's going to say like that would be crazy. But if you go to your husband or partner or wife or whoever it is, and say um, there's something that I have come across, it's I don't know what it is about it. I don't know what it is about this woman, but I know it's the right thing for me. It's exactly what I want, need to do right now to get me where I want to go. And I'd love your support with it. How different that energy is. Yeah. And, and I was just in, and it's good. It's kind of funny that we jumped into this because I just finished uh, writing a, well, writing a little course on um, how to get your, your spouse to support you in your business, because I hear it so often. So I decided to do yeah. a little thing on it. And then uh, lo and behold, I'm reading a post that you did. And I don't, I hope you don't mind if I share this, but you are making more money than your husband now. Yeah. Um, you have been for quite a, I think a while, eh? that yeah, you have been wow. making more that, than your husband. And that can change a dynamic in a relationship that can, I think, perhaps hold some women back. So I want you to give anyone who is stuck in this area where they might be holding themselves back because they're worried about perhaps making more money than their husband or just give me some advice because I have you here. Yeah, well, I think, you know, our fears come again, come from our thoughts. So we get to choose what we think about it. And if you, you know, it's, it's, I always think when it comes to money, you just have to clean up and stay on your own side of the street with it and know that if a husband or a partner reacts in a certain way, that's because it's all coming from his money stuff. Now, we know we've all got money stories. We've all got money blocks. We've all got all those limiting beliefs. That, thank goodness people have you to help get rid of those limiting beliefs. But, like, we all have these little stories going on. But if you just stay in your own on your own side of the street and just I'm running my business, I'm making money, he's doing what he's doing and we're all good and it's um, it's not making me anything and because like it's different when it's in your own business, 
it's you basically have to to, to have a, a six figure the equivalent of like a six figure salary you have to make multiple six figures really in your business so it's it's not the same as as you know you it's it's you can't really compare somebody's salary to a business income um but you just have to be okay about it yourself because I mean my husband like so many husbands not overly supportive of growing a business because particularly in the early years it can be very feast and famine it can be great one month and terrible the next and it can be uh and it's a bit of a roller coaster for quite some time and until it's not until it is solid and stable and growing so you know I think so much we can go through so many emotions ourselves about what's going on in our business and then we react to our husbands making a comment when we're actually giving ourselves a hard time all the time about it and then they make one negative comment and then it's like Oh, they're not being supportive. It's not fair. Why can't I have her husband over there who's being really, really supportive and really, it's a normal. I just think it's totally normal for them to react a bit to to what's going on because we're just such a on such a roller coaster with it. Yeah. So, I just say it to myself. I just say like, when it, in the past when maybe things didn't feel quite so supportive, was just like he's saying some words, he's saying some stuff. And I'll just, not that I'll just, not in a patronising way at all or anything, I'm just like, I just say to myself, he doesn't have a clue about what it's like to run a business or one day. And the kids have said that to him. Dad, if you ran your own business, I think you might be thinking a little bit differently or something. Or, I mean, the kids have been on side, but I'd be also be very careful not to just make it like, make the kids really supportive and because maybe he's not or whatever. And just like, and he's, He's 100% on board these days. And it's just like if I made that mean anything about myself or my business in the past, it was just where he was at. And he's gone down to a four-day week. He'll be retiring in the next few years. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it's all good. So it's all, I think it's just all about cleaning up your own thoughts around it and just staying, staying with your, yourself and because we can get so upset with them being any bit negative but we can be so negative to ourselves. That's, That's the work to do, to stop being, you know, be kind to yourself, have kind thoughts to yourself, be compassionate with yourself around your business. And very often partners miraculously start behaving very differently. <laughs> oh, I love it. I, yeah, I mean, you know, there's a, I, I was joking with some people that I, in my marketing, I'm gearing it toward, I keep saying your husband. And the reason why I do that is because to be honest, uh, the lesbians that I've worked with don't seem to have the same same struggle. I'll be honest, and so I, I just think that's part of the reason why I marketed toward having saying your husband. But I want to ask you one more thing about sales, and I have been meaning to to talk. We haven't talked. You're really really busy, but I was thinking about sales. I'm having a conversation with my uh, American client who was in sales, and uh, she was talking about social selling. Now you know what yep. so, social selling is. Uh, social selling is on social media. I'm not correct about this, right? Like if you're on a Facebook group, then they have indiv- uh, people who are specified who go into the Facebook group and they they they. You can you explain it better than I am? I'm not doing well. I probably can. Um, now there's two different uh, ways of doing it. One, you can hire a social seller 
just for when you're doing a launch, like doing a challenge. And they come in, they have a certain amount of leads, they'll tag all the leads in a welcome thread, they'll tag them in upcoming replays, they'll be messaging them and saying, hi, I'm from team such and such, I'm your success advisor for this thing, I'm here to help you, and then they'll get you on, when once the cart is open, they'll usually get you on a sales call and maybe convert the sale. Um, and And they get paid usually a base rate plus commission on sales. And it is, there's so many more touch points. See, the thing is these days people are signed up to so many things all the time, they forget. And so these social sellers do a friend request so then they hop into your DMs and so you're far more likely to actually see what's going on. They can offer a replay of something if you've missed it. You know, some people that run the business, they will do the social selling part themselves. I've been playing with it for my last couple of launches uh, and it's um, and it's been great, but I just don't have the time and energy to spend on all of that. So there's another way of doing it as well, which I much prefer, which is what I am doing now. And I've actually, I'm just in the process of doing two pretty much full-time hires around this is uh, people who will do they will do some lead generation, then they will do the social selling part during launches, and then they will have a cohort of clients that they've signed up and maybe some of the other clients within the signature program that they will be their basically accountability, I'm calling them success mentors, that they'll have a one-on-one -on -one session with them every month, they'll do, do an accountability check-in every week with them. So they're in a program, but they also have their one-on-one -on -one coach throughout it. They can um, they can present some of the trainings if that's if that's applicable to their their background. So they're doing a they're doing the social selling, but they're doing a lot else as well, which I think is a, a much more varied role and much more um, much more satisfying role for someone to be doing. And so that's my that's my take on it. Like there's there's social selling can be done very well and it can be done very badly as well. Yeah. And it yeah. really does it really does depend on like I don't like any kind of cold calling in the DMs of you don't know who somebody is and they're just in there saying, watch this, come to this thing. And you're like, who are you? What are you doing? And it's uh, it's um and then that's one way to really kind of repel people. But it can be done in a, done in a really good way that is authentic, that really helps helps people a lot and increases the number of sales you make as well. Well, that's interesting because, um, so I did not know about this, but then I had the bad experience. So I was like, and, and I think also in contrast to you and learning from you and witnessing you in the sales, I think that also made it, to be honest, made it seem worse when I was, because I didn't know who the person was and I was completely confused and it was, uh, it was not a good experience. But one of the things also I wanted to ask you about the social selling and what I said to my client is uh, you're uh, Australian, kind of Irish, English, and I'm a Canadian. And there are cultural differences in selling um, because we live differently. So how do you see that coming? You know, you're with the Irish now, too. How do you see that coming in, the cultural differences? Well, I look at it, I suppose I was doing a training in my group last week around different sort of personality profiling tools and how important it is to speak to all of those different personalities. And yeah, cultural aspects would come into that because people would be like in some cultures might be more direct or some might be more um, 
non-director or whatever, but it can all be covered under kind of different personality profiles as well. That some you, And you have to make sure when you're selling that you're uh, covering all of those bases because I would tend to be, I like somebody, if I'm being sold to, I like someone to tell me layout, I want to know a, a basic overview of the details, I want to know the price, and I want to know why this is something I... I have to have and I don't want any fluff I don't need any of the jargon I don't need any of the anything else really besides exactly what it is whereas other personality types really need need you know that a lot more a lot more description a lot more detail a lot more a lot more fluff in there to, to really get them to, to, to pay attention so I think it's no different from a cultural thing that you uh, you really need to speak to all of those different things and I don't like to generalize with any particular cultures um, but just always be, be make sure that you've got those different bases covered and know the person that you're speaking to I mean it just if I'm speaking to somebody I will click on their profile for a a minute before I, I speak to them on the phone and I can get a pretty good sense of where they're at. Like if somebody is sort of mostly corporate and they're very, very much a corporate background, they may have a big wide open heart, but they will they're so used to the corporate world that they want they want details, they want it to be brief, they want a, the information to make the decision because that's the environment they've been in for so long. So uh the I've got a list of things that I that I teach my clients and like under I suppose it's like objection handling it's it, it's will this work for me if and those kind of things like will this work for me if I've got a full-time job will this work for me if I've got 16 children will this work for me if I've you know I'm minding a sick mother or will this work for me if you know all those things that people come out I haven't got enough time I haven't got enough money if if we're if you know, I'm getting married next week. Will it work for me if all those things that people come out with? And and I think just being getting really good at managing all of those kind of things really helps you speak to different people and really listen out to their to their where they uniquely struggle. And that could be and that could be a cultural thing. But more often than not, it just comes down to what do they really want. And can you support them in getting there? And if you can, you you have to. And if they're really looking for some help, well, then you've just got to lay it all out in the line for them and say, like, I can help you do this now. We can do this. We can get started today. You know, are you up for it? And if they, if you have good good resonance with them, they very often will just hop on in. And like, and so much of it is. I know you're a mindset coach. So much of it is mindset. It is. I have people like. In the past, I used to, you know, pretty much have nearly everybody on a payment plan. And when I did some mindset work around payment plans versus paying in full, 80% of people pay me in full on the phone when I'm speaking to them now. And, like, the people I'm speaking to haven't changed. It's just been my mindset around it. I think, like, oh, this will actually help them just to get the pace. There's an incentive for, you know, paying in full. So the people didn't need to change it, just my mindset needed to change around the way that I took payments. So 
your programs are coming up. You're, you've got one that's launching. So I'm going to share for anybody listening and just, you know, wanting to learn more about Sarah, I'm going to be sharing the information and she's, you know, it's easy to find the Sarah leather. <laughs> that's, that's the way I always say it. It's easy to remember. But I'll have all the information, but I just want to, I want to end this with, with one question that I always ask my guests and um, seasoned business people, business women like you, what belief do you have now that you didn't have and that you've learned as you've gone on that really helps you in your business? Yeah, that's a really easy one to answer because it's the same one every single day. This is working. I just say, this is working. What I'm doing is working. Yep. Really being in that full 100% belief that what I'm doing is working. Oh, Sarah, I love that. Yeah. I love that, Sarah. I share with my clients all the time. It's really simple. It's just so simple. This is working. So on days when it's wavering, it's like, no, this is working. And then I get my mind looking for evidence that this is working. Like, yeah, that testimony you just got. Yeah, look at that, you know. And sometimes you have to dig deep. You know, we all have those days where you think like, because it'd be so easy. Our brain so easily goes, this isn't working. I need to change everything. I need to, I need, I, I, I need, I need to get a job. I need to go. I haven't done this for a very long time, but even it was probably only about three or four years ago when I started looking. How long would it take me to re-register as a nurse? Oh, <laughs> Just no. hilarious because I would actually kill somebody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't have a clue what I'm doing. Yeah. So it's um yeah that really staying in that for my only job every day is to stay stay in that belief that this is working. Oh, I love it. You know, Sarah, I feel like I could have you on for another couple of hours. So I, I want to invite you to come back because I, I just didn't get the opportunity to ask you so much that I want to ask you. But I just want to say thank you. And I'm so happy to hear your voice and see your face. And I really uh, encourage people to uh, attend one of her virtual retreats that will probably be coming up next month. And uh, we will. The one thank- many method, easy to find. Easy to yeah. find. I'll put all the information. Yeah. But thank you, Sarah, so much for um, coming and doing this with me. It's been a while and we needed to do this. Thank you, Megan. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed our guest today as much as I did. If you are interested in connecting on social media, then I am on Facebook and LinkedIn, Megan O'Neill Core Beliefs. Or if you are thinking this is the time for you to empower your mindset and expand your life and business, you can find me at meganoneal.ca.